This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Tim Prati will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today, it is October 11th. Um, we're recording here in the morning. Um, a lot of things have happened. I mean, we have a series of releases coming out this week. We'll hear from CPI later this week. Uh, Tim, how about we just talk about what the numbers are going to be and uh, what's happened in the market? Yeah. So uh, there is the expectation CPI is kind of flattening out, and it's because of the base effects. It's, you know, the, the, the low for CPI for this year came in June, and that was when you were comparing against a 9% CPI in June of 22. So as those base effects come down, the compares get easier, the CPI numbers are kind of flattening out. And you have OER, owner's equivalent rent, slowly, slowly, slowly coming down, but you also have less help on the way down uh, from used car prices aren't going down like they were. And obviously energy prices with a lag are starting to shoot up. Now gasoline is moving down again, but overall uh, there's some pressure on CPI again, mostly from the base effects, but also used car pricing less of a drag and a little bit uh, less of a drag uh, from energy. Um, but overall, look, the economy is slowing, inflation is slowing with it. In both cases, it's just happening very, very slowly. What matters more, I think, is kind of the long-term inflation expectations, because it, it is the 10-year that is going to trade off of long-term inflation expectations, and it's the 10-year that everybody is focused on in this market right now. As you've seen the 10-year peak out at 480, we're at 460-something this morning. You had a little bit of an equity rally yesterday, and this morning, this morning's has already petered out. So I'm not so sure how much of a tenth of a point either way on CPI is going to matter. The bigger factors I think that people are going to care about is, is our thesis, our sort of, is the market coming to the epiphany that, wow, inflation is just simply going to be higher over the next five years, next 10 years than it was, you know, through the 90s and through the 2000s as it came down. You know, the Fed speak is acknowledging that. The Fed speak is saying that, look, the 10 years is doing some of the work for us. There have been comments, Bostic had some comments and some other Fed speakers uh, this week saying, look, we're probably need to be on hold here because financial conditions are tightening and they're tightening because of the move in the 10 year. The other thing that really gets started now is earnings season. Obviously, we're going to get third quarter earnings. And while expectations are for a sort of another kind of benign sideways, 70% of companies will beat. They always do. They get to set their own numbers. Um, it'll be the guidance that matters. We did have earnings already from LVMH, you know, the huge luxury retailer out of Europe. And that stock is down 6 or 7% here over the last day and a half. And I keep asking the question, when are we going to see the negative wealth effect from the weaker residential real estate market in China? And I wonder if this isn't the first indication that you are going to see really weaker consumption from high-end Chinese consumers because organic growth across all those categories for, for LVMH were down. 
uh, and the stock is responding accordingly. You know, in, in a day where Country Garden is going out, I mean, that was, right, that was the name that was cited as the model developer for tier two, three, and four cities in China. Uh, and now their debt is trading at seven cents on the dollar. How you doing? Uh, so, you know, the, the real estate collapse in China is continuing. There's nothing the government can or will do to stop that. And I think we're just starting to see the first canary in the coal mine uh, in terms of the wealth effect with that LVMH release. You know, the International Monetary Fund on Tuesday released its World Economic Outlook, and it's actually raised U.S. growth projections by 0.3 percentage points um, compared to its July update of 2.1%. I mean, this is in the light of, you know, decreased consumer confidence, slowing down China. Um, you know, we're waiting on some some more metrics and everything, but it just it seems kind of odd. It seems odd. Yeah, I mean, look. We, we talk a lot about all the different reasons for the why the United States isn't in a recession yet, right? It's the higher COLA step up, cost of living adjustment for Social Security income. That's why we had that huge January. But definitely seniors spend that Social Security income. It's the ERC. It's the in Employee Retention Credit. Uh, I think that was $45 billion. Annualized that $180 billion that the U.S. government was still paying to companies, small businesses, to keep employees through the pandemic. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure the pandemic's been over for a little while. So yeah. that was a tremendous amount of stimulus that the IRS just cut off because they're basically like, um, this is all fraud. Yes, it was authorized by Congress, but there's no need for this anymore. And I think it's another example of why luxury has been as strong as it is. Things like boats and second homes and so forth, that there has been really exorbitant, excessive, and probably a lot of fraudulent um, income from small businesses. Uh, and that has held up spending higher than you would expect. You also have IRA and CHIPS Act and, you know, something like 25 to 30% of growth in the first half was from uh, manufacturing construction. Housing prices have held up well, so there's a wealth effect there. Uh, and then just all the accumulated wealth from all of the things that we've already talked about, the stimulus and the pandemic, have really held up U.S. growth a little higher. Now, I do think that there are signs that the fourth quarter is going to be meaningfully slower than the third quarter. I've felt that way before, uh, but we'll see. Um, and, I mean, and to mention one thing that's also been cut off is the earned income uh, tax credit for children, too, um, yep. which, you know. Yes. Um, in terms of small small families made a big difference throughout yeah, the pandemic. A, and Take a look at the charts of Dollar Tree, Family Dollar, those kind of names. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, Family Dollar is gone. Dollar Tree, Dollar General. Right. Um, I mean, th those names have gotten hit hard and it correlated with the end of the, of the you know, the, the tax credit for children. You're seeing, you're starting to see, we talked about this last week, it's continued, of course, is that there's huge cracks in the housing market. Um, you've had top real estate and banking officials are calling on the Fed to stop raising rates. Um, you know, there's there's a huge historic shortage of homes for sale. Uh, does a guy like Jerome Powell, I mean, does what's he taking that into consideration right now? Or, um, you know, there's a lot of factors at play, of course, but... You know, look, he, it's not like he's selling mortgage-backed securities yeah. anyway. Like, you know, he's just, with the runoff of QT, there is some runoff of MBS. But I mean, I mean, look, the 10-year, as I said before, is doing the work 
uh, to slow down this economy. So I don't think the Fed is terribly worried about the National Association of Home Builders. Yeah. Nobody's done better through the pandemic than the, than the home builders. Uh, so I think Powell looks at it and he's happy to see what has happened at the long end of the curve. And I, I think he hopes to see uh, some weakness in new building. Look, if you're going to see unemployment come off, it's going to have to come from construction, uh, just like in 08. One of the reasons why we haven't had meaningful job losses yet in this cycle is because con construction has held up so well. So not only is Powell not going to be responsive to that, I think that the dynamics that he's seeing right now are what he wants to see. So, you know, we're rolling out this Q3 uh, this coming week. And one of the things we did a survey on at WealthFest was investors on risk and political risk, uh, it, which is funny. We're, we're not going to be able to really put this in this. The survey will discuss Russia, Ukraine, China. But Middle East has once again become a massive hotspot. Um, there was obviously a devastating attack on Saturday, uh, the kind that, you know, Hamas is this never happened in Israel really since, yeah. you know, 50 years ago with the Yom Kippur right. invasion. Right. Right now, it looks like it's contained to Gaza and Israel. Uh, Israel's bombarding Gaza and will begin yeah. a land invasion shortly. But what are the spillover effects? Do we see Iran coming into the fray that obviously has a tremendous implications on the oil and gas market if it expands? Um, but if it, if it doesn't, I mean, this thing stays pretty contained. Yeah. Look, I, I want to be careful not to be, you know, the latest expert on Iran and the history of the Middle East and Gaza right. and all that. So, you know, I, I just turn and try to read the people that, you know, have always been the most informed, have always been balanced and smart. People like a, a Tom Friedman or an Annie Applebaum or various other. And, you know, from what I read, uh, the sense I get is that Iran is already very much involved. Uh, Iran uh, has been involved. They're not backing away from saying that they're involved. Uh, and to me, just logically, knowing nothing, I don't see how anyone would expect Iran to show restraint and not take out some Iranian resources. Um, so that, that's just my two cents. It sounds like you have some activity uh, in the north uh, of Israel as well, uh, coming down from the West Bank. And from Lebanon, um, I, I just I, I don't see how this doesn't turn into a larger co conflagration where Israel and Israel's allies strike Iran. And I'm surprised that oil is here at 85. You know, oil pre this strike had been coming in like 80, 81, spiked up to 87, 88. I, I have these numbers off a little bit, but now it's backing in a little bit. I'm surprised by that because, look, there is very little excess capacity globally. Iran has been one of the entities that has been uh, producing above expectations and preventing the oil market from going to 100. You could have a couple strikes in Iran uh, that could change that spare capacity dynamic very quickly. But I know you've spent a, a meaningful amount of time in Israel. I know you've studied this issue, so I'm probably more interested to hear your thoughts on it than, than, than mine. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I traveled to Israel a long, long time ago. Um, I, I mean, I think what's happening right now, you talk about strikes against Iranian oil. We saw Senator Lindsey Graham pontificating about that just the other day. Um, you know, you've got four refineries. It seems that would be a natural um, response if if to Iran eventually to take those refineries out. 
what I am worried about right now, we've got the 12th strike group, you know, outside the Mediterranean. Um, we can help out with logistic support that Israel needs, uh, you know, and and maybe hopefully help find some of the hostages that are in Gaza. Yeah. But really what it comes down to is we currently don't have a U.S. ambassador in Israel, and we're missing a ton of positions both within the State Department and within the military because of political bifurcation, yes. just craziness in D.C. So yeah. we found ourselves in a situation where we need to have full personnel in terms of both our diplomats and our soldiers, and, and we just don't. And uh, I worry that that help that hinders our ability to help, you know, put this conflict or help solve it in any way we can. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention that as of this recording uh, here on Wednesday morning, we don't have a Speaker of the House. Right. So uh, maybe they 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 maybe they'll um, extend McHenry uh, to some kind of a longer term temporary speaker that gives him some authorities that he doesn't currently have. It doesn't seem likely to me that Jim Jordan could get the votes since there's so many Republicans who don't want to be, again, controlled by that gang of eight on the far right, the Getz group. Mm -hmm. Scalise was really McCarthy's lieutenant. There was no daylight between the two of them. So I don't see the point of going right back to Scalise. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, but you make a very good point uh, that we're not in a great position of preparedness when we're lacking State Department personnel, military personnel, and Congress is essentially paralyzed right now without a speaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's it does look like kind of a World War One set of alliances because, mm. look, I mean, Israel, uh, sorry, Iran's funded Hezbollah, it's funded Hamas, but then Russia and Iran have been um, obviously cozier with, I mean, they're they're birds of a feather. They have sanctions yeah. across them across the world, so right. that becomes a natural condition. And then you know you have Zelensky saying, "Don't forget about us." Yeah, In right. fact, you know whether it's true or not, but that. Uh, the Russians yeah. have been sending NATO kit that they've captured to the Iranians, and the Iranians have been sending that to Hamas. So yeah. maybe some of these weapons originated in Ukraine. Who knows? But yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting. You know, when Congress does get started back up again, uh, you'll have moderate Republicans and Democrats pushing for, if we're going to, uh, putting funding together for both Israel and Ukraine, the far right in the House is going to reject that. Um, and, and then there's the added position of, well, are the Chinese just sitting back and enjoying this and watching Americans and their allies getting stretched out, uh, maybe for them, giving them uh, the courage to um, maybe blockade and, and, and make a more forceful move uh, in Taiwan? Yeah. And you bring up, you know, that point you bring up, Richie Torse, congressman out of New York, suggested just as much as just um, – Put a big, big, funny package together for both for both Israel and Ukraine, and then uh, put that put that on the floor. But yeah, it's it, it's been you know I I feel like I follow some really good Washington insiders, and it's one of those times where guys are like, yeah, no idea, no yeah. idea. Like yeah. people don't even want to hazard a guess. Um, my favorite person that I follow is a DC person who tends to get these things right. Is who I'm specifically thinking of who, you know, hours before a vote today in the House has absolutely no idea how this is going to turn out. And I don't I don't think you I think you could ask Kevin McCarthy what he thinks is going to happen. And I think he'd say the same thing. No idea. Oh, I mean, people are talking about him coming back now, uh, you know, in light of the I don't think it will happen, but it's yeah. just, you know, such a 180. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, I, I think McHenry, if, I, if, if I'm going to hazard a guess after, of course, saying nobody has any idea, I wouldn't be surprised if McHenry ends up being a compromise candidate uh, and you end up um, with a little bit, uh, maybe more uh, compromise. It's not like he's a liberal uh, Republican or anything like that. He's just not Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, so that may give him some kind of an inside lane uh, from the moderate Republicans out there. And maybe they even get uh, help from the Democrats. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, at some point, the brinksmanship has to end because, um, I mean, we look very weak and, and yes. well, we are weak, you know. Yes. Um, so yeah. not As only our geopolitics are an issue, but then, of course, um, you know, the potential of another debt downgrade and just making sure we're operating as a country is, is an even bigger issue for us. So, yeah, that that, yeah. that Moody's shoe to drop is, is yep. everybody seems to be waiting for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are only now, what, four and a half weeks from getting to the end of the continuing resolution, which means we could have another shutdown again. And maybe that's what Moody's is looking for uh, to say, all right, Fitch was right. We got a governance problem and I don't see how we work our way out of this. Great. Well, uh, thanks for your time today, Tim. I know you're going on the road here shortly. Um, so for all our listeners and subscribers, thanks for your time as well. And we're, we're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WellFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WellFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WellFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WellFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.